Hello and welcome to this episode of Demystified as we explore home cooking in a modern world. Hello, I'm Linda and I'm here with my friend Paul. Hello, Paul. No special guest today. No special guest today, but you and I, <laughs> as usual at the moment. It's going to be hard to uh, yeah. find people when we're in lockdown again at the moment. So lockdown. we lockdown, yay. Yay. Anyway. Can't you yeah. hear the enthusiasm it in is, my voice? It is, yay. I know, yay. Well, I was all excited on the weekend because I did try the Masterstock recipe and I was very happy with myself for making a cartouche. Oh, I, know, I actually know what that is. After all these years, I have learned a French word that I'm happy to say publicly. But it does bring us to maybe today's topic of different cuisine types. Yeah, so what I thought we might do, because you came to the table with nothing. As, as per <laughs> usual. <laughs> um, I thought we might, like maybe every week, maybe it won't be as long a podcast, but um, essentially like maybe just touch on some general basic principles and maybe ingredients and things like that for different cuisine types so we might as well start with my favorite french correct so yeah i thought we could just talk about and and some of the recipes maybe that we've adapted um for those cuisine types i'm certainly not an expert in all cuisine types but nonetheless um some of the basic principles of each cuisine type and, and you know basic ingredients so you were talking about a master stock you know if you're going to do any sort of Chinese Asian cooking and I'm using Asian more broadly we'll get into depth about Chinese Japanese Korean as we go but you know what are the must have things that you need to have so shaoxing wine is a no brainer it's, it's like having olive oil if you're Italian so but today we'll talk about French and all things France. Which because is, it's July, so usually the Tour de France would be on. Yes, it would be. You know. But it is the cuisine type that you know I struggle with pronunciation. Pronunciation or pronunciation? See? We even have discussions about that. But yeah. you know uh, I struggle with some of the words. Yeah. And I mean, it's... it's uh, look, that's a language thing. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but everything can be... You know, translated to English, but French. What are the the thing I think about cooking and, and food is that, and this isn't all, um, but I think if you have a general grasp and understanding of some basic French principles, your cooking can go anywhere. But I think the French do the the classic um, technical stuff better than anyone else. So their understanding of, of things like mother sources, of things, you know, classic technique, I think if you learn that, then you can adapt it to almost any cuisine type. So things like learning, you know, how to do a confit, which is, Linda? Which is when you, oh no, the test, <laughs> the, uh, when you cook something in oil. Yeah. In its or, own or fat. In its own fat, yes. Yeah, correct. So that technique can be applied to Asian cooking. It's what you do after, you know. So we've done a lot of different things using the steam oven, which would be 
what termed as a classic French recipe, but converted the actual technique to steam cooking. So one of your favourites, which I think of relatively often, is something like a rillette. So a rillette... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. a rillette is essentially... It's almost like a coffee, depending on what you do, but you cook a protein in fat, oil, whatever it is, and then you shred it. And it's like a potted, you know, generally... Um, like a potted meat and, and it like a pate but not uh, and then you spread it out on toast or whatever so what we did was take the principle of like let's say a riette in our case we did a salmon riette um, and rather than cook it very slowly in a low temp oven submerged in oil we actually put it in a Ziploc bag with plentiful olive oil and use the steam at a low temperature to give us a nice even cook and then mash everything up together. So that's one thing. We've also done pâtés and terrines, all that sort of charcuterie type thing as well, uh, which I think, as far as understanding like some basic French cuisine types, it's a really good use of your steam oven because especially with a terrine, um, so a terrine, for want of a better term, it's like a meatloaf but more refined. And a little bit better, but effectively, I hope Joel's listening to this one. Paul. <laughs> effectively, it is like a meatloaf. Um, the difference being is it is more refined, super super refined. But generally, the methodology behind a meatloaf is uh, behind its terrine is is you pack meat into a like a loaf tin, uh, and then you cook it in a slow oven with a, in a bain marie. Now the problem with that is is a dry heat oven. Um, you've generally got only the water halfway up and the top of the terrine can get a bit baked and a bit cooked too hard. So you have to slice that off. But we took that idea and translated the cooking of the terrine into the steam oven. So we basically steam our terrine. What it means is that the whole thing's cooked evenly all the way through. Now it may take a little bit longer, but we don't have that drying effect. Even though a terrine is covered and all the rest of it, I've seen terrines and worked in kitchens where we've made hundreds of them. Um, you can at times get that sort of crust on top, which is not what you want from a terrine. So taking some of those classic French dishes, we did the same thing with a cassoulet, which would generally be done in just a dry heat oven and did it in a combi mode, um, which is a long, slow, time-consuming process. But I kind of think that if you can get some of those basic recipe techniques down from French cuisine, it opens up a whole new world. Well, some of the food as well. I remember when Cooking with Steam first started and you gave me the shopping list that we we were helping uh, get ready for your visit. And it was, you know, so many packets of butter and so many things of cream. And I, no, Paul, I don't think you understand. No, I can't go to that aisle. It's it's just the naughty aisle. There's the treats. Yeah, but it's but not. It's... As, as I've learned, yeah. having a little bit of cream, that sort of you know, butter, good yeah. quality butter, Yeah. you don't need to have very many other ingredients to make something really quite simple but really tasty. Yeah, I think where French cuisine, for me, and look, it's all personal preference, but I think where French cuisine sort of wins out in my mind is that it's generally, and I'm speaking generally, but it's generally pretty simple ingredients, 
but the best ingredients. There's no in between as far as the ingredients that you use because there's a heavy reliance in French cuisine on the actual ingredient doing the talking. Like, say, in the case of a piece of lamb, a piece of beef, whatever it is, it really is the ingredient that has got to shine. All the other periphery stuff hopefully is complementary to it, but the ingredient itself has to be as best as it can be or the best that you can afford um, for French cuisine as a general idea to work. So quite often at times people will look at French cuisine and look at it, well, it's a bit simple, but if you do, and one of my favourite things to cook is flounder, a flat fish. So if you do a perfectly cooked flounder just with some butter, lemon juice and capers, something as simple as that, if the flounder is good, the whole dish is good. But if the flounder is not 100% there, you can't hide it anywhere. So there's no hiding in French cuisine, I don't think. You can't... There's very little use of um, super strong aromatic spices, let's say, versus Mm. Indian cuisine, right? And I'm not saying Indian cuisine, you hide it. It's just a different Mm. cooking. It's just a different type of cooking. But... And the use of spice there is to try and enhance the flavour a bit, but also create another entire flavour profile. Whereas I think in French cuisine, like duck is duck is duck. You know, there's no like a roasted chicken like the one we just did, you know, the master stock braised chicken and stuff like that. Well, good. In French cuisine, a roasted chicken is a roasted chicken. And you're using like a breast chicken, the best chicken that you can you can buy that you can source that you can farm and it's all about what life that chicken's had before right to the table and and what's matched with it is very very minimalist like if you think salt pepper maybe thyme at a stretch you know there's not a lot to french cuisine confit duck is duck salt and fat you know what i mean it's it's very, very simplistic view of food, I think. I mean, of course, you can get complex, but very technique-based. So something as delicious as a twice-cooked souffle, it's eggs, cheese, you know, milk, a bit of roux. You know, it's yeah. you rely yeah. really heavily on that cheese to be the star of the show. You rely really heavily on the quality of the duck to be the star of the show. There's not a lot of masking of flavours of the ingredient at all. Um, now, not all cuisines are like that. I mean, they're probably the classic version is sashimi. You can't get any more raw ingredient focused than a lot of Japanese cuisine. But I think as far that's raw, I think, you know, it's similar can be said for French cuisine to a degree. I mean, I'm generalising a little bit, but to a degree... When you were first chefing, you didn't start out actually, like you cooked or you were baking. Yeah, pastry. Pastry. When you first got into chefing then, how did you get into your love of French cooking? Because you're great at it. Because you are. As much as I've known, as long as I've known yeah. you, it's been the style of cooking that you really love to do. Yeah. Uh, well, it was accidental. I don't think, it wasn't something I was like, yeah, okay, I have to do. French. It was just something when I started reading more about the history, all of that sort of stuff, I got really sucked in. Like, so it wasn't, 
I mean, I did, I did dabble in that sort of, and this is a long time ago when sort of that fusion thing was a bit new that, you know, Asian fusion sort of East meets West all on one plate, a little bit muddled, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's a skill in itself to be able to pull that off. Um, but I think, well, the history being one and, and knowing that a lot of the history of food to a degree, European food to a degree, a lot of it has its birthplace in, in different parts of France. And then it was, you know, like Vietnam, you can see a lot of French, you know, in in places like Vietnam and French technique even. Uh, so I don't know. It's just something that sort of spoke to me. I really have always enjoyed the, like, you know, the really, really simple stuff in French food. So steak tartare, oysters with mignonette dressing, um, even something like a steak frit. I still haven't well, met someone that doesn't like. If they just, like no. beef, you, you're very rarely going to meet someone that doesn't like steak frit. Like steak and fries with a really good sauce, like a Bernay sauce or a Hollandaise sauce. I mean, come on. Well, I was just going to say that uh, Dougie and I have been to France really a couple of times over our years and one of my favourite meals of all my trips uh, with Dougie has been just steak and frits yeah. in a little cafe where we're sitting on the edge of a laneway, yeah. glass of rosé, really well-cooked steak yeah. and some really crisp fries. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And it was great. Yeah. And I thought, this is as good as it gets. Yeah, like there's really. something so simplistic about it, but like it is very, very like to be able to nail it time after time after time, mm. like yeah, and the and re- the reliance on sauces in French cuisine, I have love for as well. Like there is nothing more. There are very few things to me more pleasurable than making a really good stock and then turning that stock into a really good sauce. Like, and I'm talking here, glossy, shiny really super powerful flavorful rich sauce to go with something so i like the so there's a very famous chef here manu feldell some people might know da, 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 and he's always banging on about this so like classic frenchman where's the sauce where's the sauce so was, I, yes. i'm very much of a similar yeah. sort of mindset of like you gotta have a sauce and i like the whole principle behind french sauces in general and the history of that so i think you know, that's another thing which I think you learn how to make a good stock, a really good white sauce. You know, learn the found the, the foundation sauces, and then they just expand, and go out everywhere. But it's not dissimilar to, um, you know, learning how to make a proper tomato sauce for Italian cooking, if you like, or learn how to make a proper. If we take the steak frit as an example. You know, spaghetti and olive oil with garlic, like that. Yeah. That real simplistic. And my favourite food travelling has always been the most simplistic part of wherever the region is. Like I don't know why it just is. Maybe because it's more achievable. And and French food is often thought to be not achievable at home, and it really is. It's super. Like not everything's a cassoulet and doesn't take you know four days to make. Um, so I think you know have a look around and, and if you're sort of wondering about what to 
what to learn because it's too easy to fill your cupboard with like chassing wine, soy sauce, truffle oil, olive oil. You know, you, you can get so many cuisine types all in your pantry, you know, sort of ready to go. And if you're wondering about something new to learn, why not look at a cuisine type and go, okay, I want to learn something within that cuisine type rather than a recipe as such. So maybe, you know, learn how to do a creme brulee. Like who, seriously, how many people don't like creme brulee? Yeah. Very, very few. Um, and that's a, you know, your steam oven's a great thing, as we've talked about before, for making custards and, and some of those classic French dessert type things as well. So yeah, French food, you know, baguettes. Who doesn't like a fresh baguette? Yeah, fresh, crusty mm. baguette. And there's theory behind all this stuff and there's technique behind all this stuff. Um, well, if you're looking at sauces, then you, you're mentioning stock, getting a really good stock. Yeah. So you've had your roast chicken, you've put the bones, the carcass back into the oven, browned it off and made stock out of that. Yeah. What kind of sauce would you make? Could you make from that stock? One type or a couple of types? Oh, it's, yeah. It's okay. almost infinite. So if we made our stock and we've got a reasonable volume of stock, let's say we've got two litres of stock, just for a round number. After we've strained everything out, we've got two litres of stock. So that would, I would then term called a brown chicken stock. So if you've roasted it, it would be brown. Mm-hmm. If you didn't roast it, it would be a white chicken stock. So from that, you can make what's called a velouté. Okay, so a velouté is essentially a roux, so equal parts of butter and flour. Like you're making a white sauce with milk for your mm-hmm. lasagna, you use chicken stock instead. If you add a little bit of cream to that, it becomes a sauce suprême. And then you can add some mustard to it. And then you know, within that one chicken stock, you've got infinite amount of sauces you could make. But then let's say we didn't do that and we took our two letters of stock and let's say we reduced it just nothing else just reduced it down until you had let's say 200 mils wow then you've got a a, then you've got a roasted chicken sauce pretty intense super intense and you can add to that chopped shallots peppercorns bacon mushrooms butter butter anything you don't have to add all of those things but if you wanted to make a let's say a, or a classic french sauce it would be a pepper sauce you know you get some shallots get some green peppercorns a little bit of brandy flambe add your chicken stock or your chicken jus in this case um a little bit of cream at the end there's a, there's a classic pepper sauce uh the chicken stock can also be used Let's say you get the same quantity of veal stock or beef stock. Uh, there's the basis of onion soup. 50-50 generally is chicken stock and, and beef or veal stock for an onion soup. So, you know, we've talked about stocks before. F- fundamental part of French cuisine especially is because you not only get a what's known as a jus or a glaze or anything like that but they become like a chicken stock almost in most french kitchens works like water that's how often you use it like you want to glaze some carrots you know while you're cooking the carrots a little bit of chicken stock in there some butter and it becomes becomes a glaze you know the butter helps thicken it 
and it glazes your carrots. Chicken stock is the basis of risotto, as you know, which is the French do-do often. It's not just exclusively an Italian thing. Um, it is the basic basis of so many parts of French cuisine having some stocks sitting there. So, yeah, cassoulet, uh, like, it just goes on and on and on. You just, a soup, any soup for that matter. You know, you can put a light chicken stock in any soup to be the liquid content of your soup. A vichyssoise, potato and leek soup. Um, sometimes it's vegetable stock. You can use chicken stock, as I said, onion soup. But it's, I couldn't, it'd take me ages to actually rattle through my head what I use chicken stock for because it's everything. It's as common as water. Wow, so next time you have uh, a roast chicken, do yourself a favour throw the carcass back into the oven yep. or just make or just boil it up if you it's want be- yeah yeah it's- like you've said this before in our in our stocks that it gives you a better depth of flavour yeah to, to roast the carcass and then make stock out of that yeah and with your stocks I mean there's arguments to be had for adding vegetables we've talked about this before a lot of um, French cooking uses vegetables in the stock I prefer just to use the bones or you know, whatever it is we're, we're making. If we're making a chicken stock, just use chicken um, and take your time with it. But yeah, once you've finished your stock, a really good way to keep it is just into ice cube trays. So that way you're not having to defrost mountains of Huge it. Huge amounts. Um, but yeah, it is the basis of like almost every, you know, not chicken stock, but stocks are the basis of almost every sauce. Um, much like butter, although we've talked, you know, you say the naughty section. I don't think no, the French go to. overborn. Yeah, no. back, back in the but, day, there was. it's a bit of a misnomer about, you know, butter and cream on French food is bad for and you. And their cheeses. Yeah, okay, but it's not everything. No. Like, certainly a Bernay sauce or a Hollandaise sauce, the majority of that is butter, no doubt. I mean, that's the basis of the sauce. But the same can be said for a mayonnaise. The majority of that is oil. Yeah? Yeah. So... And, and cream to a degree, like I used to work in French bistros and stuff like that. And yes, you would have creme brulee and you would have ice creams and you would have, um, you know, various sauces with cream in it. But it's not as prominent as what you would think. Well, at the time, I think you said it's not what you're using, it's how you use it. And I think not having what we tend to use butter for at home now is if we're finishing off a steak. Yeah. And I'll throw a little bit of butter in the pan and I'll throw in some capers and some anchovies or some olives and whatever anchovies or whatever yeah. and have that cook quickly in the butter and then spoon all that over the steak and serve. Yeah. You know, so it's you're using a little tiny bit in a good way. Yeah. And 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 a little tiny bit does go a long way. Yeah. And it's just not the like and this is the difference between cuisines. I mean, you very rarely do you see butter used in, in Asian cuisine. Like, and I'm generalizing quite a lot, but Asian cuisine, dairy's not a big, doesn't play a big part. Italian cuisine, yes. like, you, it's olive oil all the way. Mm. Like, even Greek to a degree. Um, you know, a lot of those places would prefer olive oil. Now, French use olive oil, they grow some beautiful olive oil, but butter gives you a totally different flavor. And what you can do with butter as well, you know. Okay, butter's great to just finish off your steak and, and do whatever, and you can make a Bernay sauce or a Hollandaise sauce. And, but then you get into doing things like brown butter, 
Like, serve a proper good brown butter over a piece of fish. Like, you know, who discovered that technique? Like, who decided that, oh, I'm just going to, was it a mistake? Was it a tart-to-tan moment? Where someone, yeah. you know, dropped the apple tart or Let someone overcooked the butter? You know, and then they taste it. And then you take something like that, which, you know, may, may not be classic French. Who knows? But, I mean, Benoisette is a thing. It's been a, you know, brown butter has been a thing in French cuisine for a long time. But then you can find the person that takes that and goes, geez, I really like that flavour. Let's add it to an ice cream. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's, I think that's why I like it is because having something as classic as a brunoisette, which is something you learn first, second year apprentice, um, doing properly how to do a proper brown butter sauce. And then what you can do with it it's endless that's why I like having a look at some of the French classics and, and using some of the classic French technique even when I'm doing stir frying I'm still thinking along the same lines of understanding that classic technique and what do I how do I apply that to this to get a better end result and I'm probably doing it wrong no doubt but you know that's what I was taught and I'm not saying I you know, I'm going to do a coffee in my walk quickly, but yeah, there's a, you know, there isn't a singular home of cuisine. Like it wasn't just born in one place. I understand that, but a lot of the classic technique was certainly born in France. And I think if you understand that, we've talked about this before, but if you understand that, then, you know, you, you're three quarters of the way there. If you can't pronounce all the names of the dishes, it doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> I just and give you a hard all... time. Just keeping on going. Oh my goodness, it just stopped. Oh, it's all right. Are we, are we on? We're on now. Oh, okay. So we lost audio. Linda. Oh, I don't know what happened. We lost audio. We lost audio, but we're back. We're back. But anyway, so well, there we're you just go. finishing like off. French cooking. Phew. Just... I nearly had a heart attack then. Yeah. Oh. Don't be daunted by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Have a look and, and think... Okay, well, if something was really slow cooked or confit or, you know, something like that, then look at it and look at how you can apply maybe your steam oven to it, which is what we do, part and of what we do. I think what I love about the steam oven, and when I'll be looking forward to getting ours back one day, hopefully, um, is weeks, that I wouldn't, it has been weeks, is that I probably wouldn't have tried cooking in a, in a water bath as much because it was a, quite fiddly, I don't like the idea of, you know, I'm pretty clumsy, but cooking and having water coming out at me, steaming away. I think um, what I like about the steam oven is that I get the same results, but with just the item in the in the oven. Yeah. Not having water, pushing it in, taking it out. Yeah. But that's, um, but that's a personal preference, but you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. But interesting. Well, thank you for that. So... Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. Uh, I yeah, don't know. And uh, be we'll brave. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make some stock and then look at what you can do with it yeah. as a sauce or and as don't a soup. Just, yeah, don't just go. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to make a soup. Hmm. Or throw uh, the carcass it, away. Yeah, but make a, what you can make do a roux and add some really good flavorful stock to a roux. Whisk it together like you're making a white sauce. Everyone knows a white sauce, yeah. Hmm. But very few people use a velouté, which is what that is. A velouté is a white sauce, but made with stock instead of milk. Well, I like the idea of the carrots too. 
you know, if you can't get kids to eat carrots or you're looking at that carrot going, alrighty, another carrot, maybe a little bit of chicken stock. Yeah. Give them a little bit yeah. of, it just helps just, a little bit with yeah. flavour. Yeah. But it's, yeah. Look, it doesn't, it, French cuisine isn't just about stocks, but what I was trying to get across is the understanding of, you know, that being a base for so many of the mother sources, so many of the techniques, you know. And fresh ingredients. Super, super, super good ingredients. Because you can't do a steak tartare justice if you don't have the best egg, the best steak you can possibly have, and all the other bits that go in it. Mm. So, you know, it's a heavy reliance. You, quite often you'll go to a French restaurant and they'll have fish of the day and it will just be a piece of fish cooked however it's cooked, but it will just be that fish seasoned with fleur de sel, French salt, and maybe a bit of lemon on the side. But it's so heavily reliant, and this is classic French, so heavily reliant on absolutely perfect, perfect ingredients. Well, thank you for that. Happy cooking. Give Happy us something cooking. to try. Yeah. yeah. Let us know how you go. Yeah. See you later. See ya. Happy cooking. Thanks for listening to this podcast as we explore home cooking in a modern world. We'd love you to subscribe. And for more information, please go to our website, cookingwithsteam.com. Mm-hmm.